I want to welcome Agile XRM to the podcast. I've known the people at Agile XRM for the past 12 years. I've seen how their business process management tool can add massive value to complex organizational processes in sectors such as finance and government. If you have complex processes or a need for dialogues on the Power Platform or Dynamics 365, take a look at how this BPM tool can add value. You can find them at agilexrm.com or check out the show notes for more details. Welcome to the Power Platform Show. Thanks for joining me today. I hope today's guest inspires and educates you on the possibilities of the Microsoft Power Platform. Now, let's get on with the show. Today's guest is from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. She's a senior UX architect and accessibility evangelist at Avenard. She has extensive experience in digital accessibility and conversational interfaces. You can check her out on LinkedIn, Twitter, blog, etc. All of those links will be in the show notes. So if you want to connect with her there. But with that, Maria, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Mark. And hello, everyone. It's a pleasure to be in this session today. Excellent. I'm excited to talk to you about you know, user experience design, accessibility, and all these great things, you know, and UI as well in the context, of course, the Power Platform and or the Microsoft Business Application suite of products. But before we go there, let's find out about you. Let's drill into your personal life and uh, talk about what you do when you're not working, what's the best food to eat in Toronto, and family. All right. What I do after work hours? I usually do, I love dancing, and mm-hmm. this is one of the things I've been missing a lot uh, since the pandemic happened, uh, but I switched to some activities as drawing and cooking. It's been one of my best hobbies during this pandemic. Um, about food in Toronto, as being the city, a uh, multicultural city, you have so many options of where to go. I would say my favorite is the Korean barbecue, and my background is Mexican, so I've been looking for good Mexican restaurants across the city, so you can find good things around. Nice. You've been cooking. Tell me, what's your go-to dish at the moment? Oof. Well, I, I call it by season, by, me, by month, mm-hmm. I try new things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. From Asian food, trying more steam or making uh, dumplings, it's nice, it relaxes nice. me a lot trying to to make mm-hmm, the shapes. Mm-hmm. Even most of the times it doesn't work or look like mm-hmm. I want to, but I try <laughs> to make a nice and cute food. I call it cute food. Yeah, nice. nice. Have you? Can you make zhao long bao, which is the 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 dumpling with the soup? That's inside the dumpling as well with the meat. You know, like when you bite it, you got to watch you don't burn yourself because the soup comes out of the dumpling. I haven't done those ones, but I have done the ones with different characters uh, mm-hmm, on it. Mm-hmm. I have food coloring, so I can play nice. with the characters making cute, anim- cute animals or person character on it. That's so cool. That's so cool. So... First of all, how, you know, from a career perspective, how did you get into your career? What was your career journey up to this point? Well, I've been lucky that since the beginning, I always knew that I wanted to study graphic design 
that's my background. And I always want to do something with the technology. So it was between studying engineer or the graphic design. So I'm not that good at programming and I pick graphic design and later on I make my specialty in usability and interaction. That's the area of specialty where I'm, I'm working right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, uh, this has been my, my journey since, since the beginning. I start with Flash. Micromedia wow. Flash, that yeah, was my beginning. Yeah, Micromedia Flash. Yes, yeah. that's how I knew what would be my my direction. Yes. I mean, I remember, you know, learning how to animate in, in that and, you know, creating your keyframes and morphing an object and everyone was like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah Macromedia was such an awesome company. Adobe purchased them, right? Adobe owned all the macro. Even their web design, you know, tool, was it Dreamweaver back in the day? Dreamweaver. It was an amazing yeah. tool. It was, it was definitely the best in the market. You know, I loved those tools. Yeah, I passed my physics classes making nice prototypes on them. Nice, nice. <laughs> So, so bring us up to speed, how you got into what you currently do. Like, where did you first touch the power platform? Where did you first touch Dynamics uh, 365 in your career? Like, how did they all of a sudden become something that you started to explore? It, I've been ex- having exposure to those from the projects. Um, when I was working on a conversational interface to, uh, tool, a chatbot, this was operated by Power BI. Mm-hmm. Power BI and tracking some of the features and how this tool was behaving. And mm-hmm. as a designer, and always been curious about touching any any tool, I started reading that most of the plat- Power Platform tools they're pretty intuitive for users. However, they're not that intuitive for designers as the designer tools, but you still have the opportunity yes. to get familiar with the interface. So I've always been curious and start seeing what we can build on them. And we as a designers until where we can customize a tool without the, the need of having the technical team uh, making mm-hmm. code or or arranging the things for more advanced features. Yeah. So it's been basically my my initial exposure to, to the tools. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So because, you know, I've noticed over time that the makeup of a team now that delivers a solution to a customer is way different than it was 10 years ago, where 10 years ago, if you saw a designer on a project, you'd be like, who invited them, right? Where, where do they come from? But before, before I unpack, you know, um, uh, some concepts here, as an, actually what I'll do is I'll unpack some concepts. Tell me when you talk about, Conversational interfaces, what does that mean to you? Conversation interfaces is basically make a computer sounds like a human or a person speaking to a real mm-hmm. person on it. So those are created to solve or help with tasks, simple tasks mm-hmm. as the technology is doing it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, to facilitate some verbal communication and also voice. They're very powerful in the voice sequencer and verbal communication. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, okay, let's talk about user experience design. What What is user experience design in, in this context? User experience is make any 
tool in, mm -hmm. in terms of a digital environment, mm -hmm. tools, software, website, mobile application, easy to use. That you uh, there are certain patterns of design created mm -hmm. that help us to arrange the design in a way that a person without even uh, any familiarity with the technology, they can mm -hmm. interact with the information and get into a specific tasks. Nice. And so when we talk then about user interfaces, a user interface is just one of those tools to help a user experience designer to make it easy to use. Is that, is that the case? Yes. Do you see people sometimes get user interface design and user experience design confused? There is some confusion because UX, well, they are interconnected. Uh, experience design uh, is more oriented into the first stage of the of the product uh, or the solution design. You start mm -hmm. going for analyzing to whom you're gonna uh, be presenting this product. You start drafting this the skeleton, the the blueprint mm -hmm. of the of the solution. In this case, a website or a mobile application. Mm -hmm. And the user in interface uh, well, is interconnected, but it also applies to dress up all the image of this application mm -hmm. to uh, today in a meeting they call it to make it pretty and beauty. Yep, yep. And also some animation and interactions that might help the to make it soft interactions that the person mm -hmm. might find it easy to use even with their mouse, mm -hmm. keyboard, or even their fingers. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, so many things can come into that, right? If, you know, if the person is uh, in, in, in an industrial scenario, they might have gloves on. How does that affect things? How does orientation of device affect things? How does environmental variables and as well then um, accessibility must play into this as well, right? For people that have requirements that might not be, you know, um, just standard or out of the box. How do you address that? So you make a very good point talking about the strain environment, someone with gloves, but that might not mean they are disabled of not, not having their, their regular fingers, but the gloves mm. make a different space for, for the screen to touch it. So they yes. require bigger buttons or bigger space between text or the content where they can mm -hmm. touch it without clicking in any other item. So definitely accessibility that's what I like a lot about accessibility because it goes hand to hand with the user experience. Yeah. It's the humanized part of the design. Think about mm -hmm. your real human, how they're going to be interacting with, with the solution. It could be due to a disability, a presenting disability, mm -hmm. temporal, mm -hmm. that many of us were exposed to those, those, or even that simple, like your screen might not be reflecting the same light uh, when you are in your, in your house with the, with the mm -hmm. lights mm -hmm. off. And when you're outside with the sun and, and very shiny screen, it's kind of hard yeah. to see your content. All of it is included also in uh, the user interface and activity and accessibility. That's, that's so good. Now I've worked for a long time in the space. And as I say, traditionally, the people that implemented solutions are hardcore technologists. Now, they might be technical technologists, developers, programmers, that type of thing, or they could be functional technologists. So business analysts, they're really good at understanding what their client problem is and gathering requirements and, and implementing them. And then over, you know, about five or six years ago, I saw adoption being 
becoming a big part of of what we're doing. And so we were change managers, right? People that took people on a journey to what the current state, what the future state would look like. And then if I was to focus on what I'm seeing change now in the last three years, I am seeing people come into the team that that deliver you know solutions, being experienced designers, being graphic designers, people that have traditionally not played with Microsoft's tools as much or were never invited to or never, but I'm seeing people that are really serious about building apps these days are now bringing these skill sets in. And I think sometimes there's a, a disconnect where people are going, well, the programmer should be able to do this or the, the business analyst should be. But I mean, to be a designer, to think in context of user experience and it's a different set of skills, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's also what I like a lot is when a BAs or even the developers we work with, they start talking about user experience and they don't need to know all the jargon that we use in, in mm-hmm, design, mm-hmm. but at least knowing that there is a person who's going to be the end user of the tool, they, st- they start thinking that there are certain features or elements that need to be considered in application that is not only the development part. Yeah, yeah. So so what are you seeing? Are you, are you seeing these type of changes in how team mixes are made up? You know, you work for a traditional partner, one of the, the market leading partners in the world in the business application space. Are you seeing a, a move in, in how people are even recruited now into your teams with then, then perhaps they were in the past? Yes, Indeed, there is more diversification in their skill set. Mm-hmm. As, as you said before, it was only one side, and that's their whole truth for them. But mm-hmm. the more we are exposed to cross-functional teams, we start seeing or learning from others and complement each other. That's one of the yeah. most important. Uh, I, I work a lot with uh, business teams that at the beginning, they might not speak any of our language, or mm-hmm. understand uh, the value of the designer work and the, the project that they jump mm-hmm, into mm-hmm. technical functionality. But after they seen how the solution might be affected or improved by changing a few things in the interaction, might provide a better experience, might provide a better income and uh, more uh, positive elements for for the project so you will see them now in the next stage talking with the designers hey let's partner together and and talk about this new new project if people want to kind of educate themselves more in this area you know they might be listening to the to the show here and they might want to what what type of things like are there courses that they can go and do if they're like you know i've always actually wanted to do some design or get into design short of going back to university and you know doing a design uh, type qualification what other resources are out there that people could use to um, increase their understanding of user experience design as well as accessibility and user interface design. Right. So what I'm very happy now is that there's a lot, a lot of resources on the internet to learn more about these topics. When I started, it was only the iOS book on how to improve your uh, mobile applications. That was my Mm -hmm. first book to learn about interactions. 
Uh, now I recommend you in terms of design, there's a lot of good videos on YouTube where you can just search the word uh, user experience and learn more. If you want to follow one of the gurus of the user experience, you can follow a Nielsen group where you mm-hmm, can learn mm-hmm. a bit more about their blogs and content on yes. regards to user experience. And mm-hmm. if you want to learn more about accessibility and the best practices and how to apply it into your products, you can review the WCAG, that mm-hmm. is WCAG, which are yep. the web standard uh, guidelines that, that can be applied to any web or mobile uh, solution. So this is like the main library of content that you, you can go for. I like it. I like it. Tell me about the things that are missing right now from PowerApp Studio and things like that. That and and I want to look at it missing from the the context of a designer, because I've talked to you know a range of people that said you know obviously engineers build these interfaces and build the product and wouldn't it be awesome if Microsoft for every you know technical engineer had a design engineer or a design architect and you know as as part of that story, and you know when I look at the the landscape you know particularly in Adobe there's um you know Adobe XD. Uh, you know, allows you to prototype up interfaces, you know, simulate like what they would work, test them even, you know, you could do usability testing and validate them before you actually would would import those into the development environment for build. What would you like to see Microsoft add to the mix? What I have observed in the documentation is it's kind of intuitive, but still not to the level for the designers. Um, mm-hmm. I would say to make the, uh, the to edit the, the application a bit more designer friendly, following mm-hmm. uh, the patterns that uh, tools like XD, Sketch, or Figma use. So yes. it became more uh, easier for the designers to go through that. Another thing is that if they improve this this part, they might reduce the time of implementation of the application and this is something i speak a lot with the uh, designers and developers when they're working Mm -hmm. those applications it's like Mm -hmm. what is the gap in the in the conversation here and most of the time is the deliverables for the design deliverables for power uh platform applications are different than we do for web so Mm -hmm. when we see that the interfaces are kind of Mm user-friendly we would like it to be a bit more um design oriented so designers instead of deliver a bunch of images or coding etc they can do it by themselves and let the developers to work in the on the hard data or complex interactions uh, that might need some some coding but all the to work on the graphic interface i think that's where uh, microsoft should be improving the products at this level yeah what about, you know, you mentioned Sketch, Figma, and Adobe XD, uh, three common tools used in the industry. Is there any, and, and like, and I don't know these tools well. I have a, Adobe XD on my desktop here um, purely to understand what it does, but I don't, I'm not a designer per se, and so don't use it in that respect. So educate me, if you, if you will. Is there like an export function that I could, let's say, mock up an interface and then export out artifacts that could be used in a power app or is or at least you know because power apps you know one of the the stories of power apps is it gives you pixel precise control of your ui particularly in canvas as opposed to model driven so 
Is there any kind of tooling that would be awesome if that we could export something like that and have the the ability to import and maybe stitch it to the data sets, you know, that are going to light up those things at the at in, in the back end of the data model? Right now, it doesn't exist. It does exist for web, but not for power platform. And that's something that would be fantastic to do because in that way, you can reduce the delivery time and the effort mm-hmm. by having a, a plugin that gives you directly into more graphic um, deliverable. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Tell me about UIKit. UIKit quite necessary if you want to keep the um, the style of your product. Mm-hmm. Uh, UI kits for uh, someone who doesn't know about them, it's all the components that you see in your website, the mobile, mobile application, the boxes mm-hmm. for the forms, buttons, uh, images, the font sizes, sorry, the text that you see, they are not just uh, created just because of the content. There are some rules set by the designers Mm -hmm. where the content might be presented in those spaces. So those UI kits work as a library of components. And I think developers, they use also a library of data when when they're implementing some of the uh, products. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. those are are very good because you just need to know what are your your styling of this components in your library and just directly uh, call it in your in your platform right yeah and when we as a ux designers we provide the the skeleton or the blueprint mm-hmm. well we call it wireframes uh, of the application you the developers they already identify which are those components and how to style them and instead of breaking their heads of which color and size mm-hmm. it could be better to use they just follow the rules or the standard that we provide, and that's the the right way to go. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. So, okay, so so that's uh, that's definitely an, another thing that our teams need to be aware of and and understand when it comes to design. Have you done much work in Power App portals and and you know because they're really the web. You know, they're they're a website at the end of the day, as opposed to a pure app like in Power Apps. And is there anything that you would like to see improved in that from a designer's perspective? Definitely, I would say is. Microsoft should make more documentation for designers. I have mm-hmm. reviewed a very nice content um, for the Microsoft, uh, sorry, yeah, Microsoft Power Platform Library, where they also have uh, templates or real cases of other mm-hmm. products created on their Power Platforms. And I'm very surprised of all the things that you can create. And when I speak with other designers, how they went through a, a very complex uh, application, they say mm-hmm. like it takes them time to understand the tool yeah. and the functionalities, but it's doable to do any creative things. You just need to spend a little more time of getting familiar with the technicalities of the tool. Another thing that's missing would be a list of features that you can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, um, yeah, we need like uh, the patterns of how advanced or how crazy, I would say as a designers, how crazy you can go with your design 
and mm -hmm. how this can be uh, implemented in the time and the resources that the client also is giving you to to implement. So yeah. as a new technology, I would say like how far you can go with with these solutions. I like it. I like it. I see just this week that we're recording here that the it might be the cat team at Microsoft has released on GitHub some specific design related features and tool sets, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Maria, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much and looking forward for the next episode. Cheers. Hey, thanks for listening. I'm your host, business application MVP, Mark Smith, otherwise known as the NZ365 guy. If there's a guest you'd like to see on the show, please message me on LinkedIn. If you want to be a supporter of the show, please check out buymeacoffee.com forward slash NZ365 guy. Stay safe out there and shoot for the stars. <laughs>